This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 16th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The U.S., Britain, and France attacked Syria with airstrikes over the weekend over a suspected chemical weapons attack. The strikes show that the pull of the do-something crowd in Washington, D.C. is not one this president could resist, despite his claims that the president does need congressional permission for these strikes and that striking Syria is both expensive and pointless. Emma Ashford, research fellow at the Cato Institute, comments. What is the bias to action in Washington, D.C., and how do we see it typically expressed? Well, so all humans have a bias to action. This is something that psychologists have actually noted. So if you are faced with a choice of doing something or doing nothing, you're likely to do something partly because you make it feel better. Think about taking a different route so that you're driving rather than getting stuck in traffic or a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout that that dives rather than necessarily standing still. But when we talk about sort of policy and particularly foreign policy, there's a real bias to action here in Washington, D.C. towards doing something, even if we don't know that what we're doing on the foreign policy front will actually yield better uh, outcomes. All right. Yeah, well, that's true of all policy, really, in a a lot of ways. I mean, Terrence Keeley talks about that for nutritional guidelines. We talk about it for changes to the tax code and things like that. But um, this is a president who in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and many times on the campaign trail in 2016, argued that this kind, these, this particular kind of bombing campaign in this particular country uh, was a bad idea, needed congressional permission, would it be expensive and probably pointless. Yeah. So this bias is, I think, particularly pernicious in foreign policy because what the what that do something turns out to be is almost always dropping bombs somewhere. And as, as you point out, Trump himself on the campaign trail said, oh, this is really stupid. We're not getting anything out of this. This isn't benefiting us. Um, and now that he's in office, he's proven basically unable to resist that sort of push from the media, from politicians um, to actually intervene. And in that, he's not the only president that's had that problem. Barack Obama, if you go back, actually said in the campaign trail that he wouldn't be committing more trips to foreign conflicts. If you go back far enough, you can find that George W. Bush, before the start of the war on terror, said that he didn't want our troops to be engaged abroad in stupid peacebuilding missions. And so this is not a new problem. It's just that Donald Trump seems, I guess, particularly keen to sort of switch sides when the pressure gets high. All right. So what what is next here? Because it doesn't seem like this 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 seems like something where the United States is now prepared for a longer conflict, but we don't necessarily expect to engage one. Well, so we've got we've got two things we can think about. So one, we have uh, this time last year, April last year, when President Trump made very similar attacks uh, against Syrian chemical weapons facilities. It was supposed to send the message and stop Assad using chemical weapons. It obviously didn't, but it was a one-time-off attack. We did it. We didn't do anything else until this year. Um, So that seems to be where Trump himself is. He seems to think that a one-off strike here will be enough to sort of make Assad think twice about using chemical weapons, even despite that example. But then we've also got people inside the administration, people like Nikki Haley, who stood up at the United Nations and said, well, if there's any future use, the U.S. is locked and loaded. We're ready to go in again. And so I think even inside the administration, there's this tension over whether they see this as a one-off strike or something that will potentially escalate and get into a bigger U.S. involvement in Syria. What legal authority are they relying on 
Is there, I mean, have they even, if they even presented one? I haven't seen that. I have no idea what legal authority they're relying on. So there's, I mean, there's a couple of ways that they could go with this. And if we're going to talk about last year's strikes, which were remarkably similar, there is apparently an internal administration document in which they have laid out a rationale, relying not so much on, I think, congressional powers or congressional war authorization, but instead on some of these international law precepts about responsibility to protect. The thing is, no one's seen that document. No one knows what's in it. Journalists have been trying to to FOIA it for a while to get it, read it and see what it says. We're still no wiser about why they think these strikes are justified or authorized. And that, that seems new. That strikes me as new. The fact that the, the, whatever legal rationale there is, there's clearly no congressional permission uh, being asked here. And if they're not relying on AUMFs from 2001 or 2002. Well, it's interesting, right? Because um, I have actually seen a few people make an argument about the 2001 AUMF. But I think almost everybody agrees that it's just too far of a stretch to apply that Al-Qaeda-related AUMF to strikes against the government in Syria, which has actually been quite uh, active in fighting al-Qaeda. So um, this is really one of the first instances that we've seen, even in the last 15 years, where we have strikes that you can't stretch that authorization even just to cover it at all. And so um, you're right that it's a little unusual that we don't know how this is meant to be authorized. But I would also say that this is basically the first case we have where we're trying to come up with a new justification where the administration is trying to say, well, we are authorized to do this, we're just not sure why. Uh, James Mattis in, uh, I believe it was uh, February, said of the 2017 gas uh, attack that we can't say with certainty who was responsible for it. And as far as he's con- he was concerned at the time, at least, that was an open question. Do we know more about this one? Well, so um, we know certainly that the Assad regime has a very long confirmed history of using chemical weapons on its people. We have various reports from the Organization for the Prevention of the Use of Chemical Weapons, which is associated with the United Nations, which has found proof, substantial proof that the Syrian government engages in these kind of attacks. Um, So it's probably too soon to have any sort of at least open source proof that this attack was done by the government. But you can bet that before the, the US government, before the British and French governments agreed to this, that they had sufficient intelligence to believe that this was definitely the Assad regime. Who was driving this? I mean, if you have countries like Britain, France, and the United States, obviously Britain and France, they, they don't care whether or not the president of the United States needs someone else's permission to go to war if, if he feels comfortable doing it. But what, who, which of these countries was really driving the push to do it? I'd say that this instance was probably driven mostly inside the US. I mean, certainly you're right. There have been instances in recent years where pressure from allies has really pushed us into conflicts. I think Libya in 2011 is probably the, the classic example of that. But um, but this time around, the pressure seemed to come from inside political groups in the US, um, even from inside the administration, and, and even apparently from Trump himself, who was so keen to retaliate over this that his advisors had to persuade him to wait a couple of days uh, to build a coalition. What changes with the Syria conflict now? Anything? 
No, nothing very much. This strike was uh, small enough that it didn't really change the dynamics of the Syrian conflicts. And, and to be honest, I think that's probably a good thing because escalation, particularly between the US and Russia, it would be very bad for everybody involved. Um, but what we're still left unsure of is what the Trump administration's strategy towards Syria is. They're adding more troops on a fairly regular basis. We've seen members of the administration talk about how they're there to push back against Iran or keep an eye on Iran. We've seen Trump himself say that he wants the troops out and he wants them out now. And so, again, even internally in the administration, there seems to be this debate about Syria strategy. And these strikes do absolutely nothing to clarify what that is. Emma Ashford is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.